Parshas Mishpatim, Badges of Honor. Our Sedra opens with the laws of the Eved Ivri, the Hebrew slave. Ki tikne Eved Ivri. When you shall buy a Hebrew servant, Sheshanim Yavod, Ubashivit, Yetzelechov Shechinam. He shall work for six years, and in the seventh he shall go free. Mishpatim. That was the arrangement in ancient times. It happened sometimes that for certain reasons, a man would give up his freedom and become an Eved Ivri. It means that this Yisrael becomes now a Hebrew slave, and he must labor for six years in the service of a fellow Jew. Now, although this Eved Ivri is in temporary servitude, he's a regular Yisrael like each one of us. He's kosher to be a witness and can be the tenth man in a minion like any other Jew. It's true, he's an indentured servant, but he's chayev in all the mitzvahs like any other male Jew. He has to go daven three times a day, and he puts on tzitzis and tefillin too. Everything he has to do. And so the question arises, if he's a regular Yisrael, why doesn't the Torah call him that? I want to make sure you understand this question, because it's the starting off point in tonight's subject. Why does the Torah go out of its way to call him by the name of Eved Ivri instead of Eved Yisroeli? After all, it seems to us that he's a Yisroel in all respects. Why don't we call him by his proper title? Now, if you don't understand this question, if you don't think there's anything puzzling here, that's because you're not familiar with the Tanakh. Because to find such an appellation attached to Jew is quite out of the ordinary. In the Torah literature, the appellation Ivri, a Hebrew, is not used to describe the Jewish people. And that's because HaKadosh Baruch Hu bestowed upon us a special title of glory that we are loath to part with. We have been given the honorary name Yisrael. Yisrael is much more than just a name. There's a prophecy that Hashem put into that word. It means you will conquer all the forces that oppose you. That's why that name is our pride, our glory, Yisroel. We are the eternal nation that will overcome all others. And that's why the Gentiles prefer to know us as the Ivrim. The Umas Ha'olim always used the name Ivrim when they spoke about us because they wanted to paint a different picture than what the name Yisroel represents. Oh, those people, the Jews, they're only Ivrim. Ivra means that we come from Ever Hanar, from the other side of the Euphrates. Their forefathers migrated across the Euphrates to settle in Eretz Canaan, but they can't fool us. They're just part of the Ivrim, those people who live on the other side of the river. Instead of recognizing us as a separate entity, the Gentiles always preferred to see us as just another branch from Semitic stock. It was a way of trying to cover up the truth of the one nation, a nation separate from all others that was chosen by Hashem to be the eternal people. They abhorred the idea of a nation called Yisroel because it meant something. It was a title of national glory that meant there's an Am Levadan Yishkon that is going to win out in the end. Yisroel is a chauvinistic name a badge of honor that we wear with pride. And therefore, it's understandable that the nations of the world are not interested 
in hearing such things. That's why when we speak to the Gentiles, we call ourselves Ivrim. You remember when Moshe Rabbeinu was in the palace and Paro said, What are you telling me to release your people and send them out? Who sent you to me with such an errand? So Moshe Rabbeinu said in Shemot, Elokei ha'ivrim shelachani elecha. The God of the Ivrim sent me. He was talking to Paro after all. And when you talk to the Gentiles, you talk in a language that they understand. But Moshe would never speak to his own people and say that Elokei ha'ivrim sent me to tell you. Never. Because Jews didn't use that word. If you remember in the book of Yonah, when Yonah was on board that ship trying to escape the mission that Hashem sent him on, and suddenly a storm arose that was threatening to sink the ship. Now the Gentile sailors in those days were more from than some of the Orthodox Jews today. And they understood that storms don't just happen. Somebody's God was angry. And so they cast lots to discover the guilty party. And when the lot fell upon the Navi Yonah, they said to him, Tell us who you are. And he said, I am a Hebrew. It's because he was speaking to Gentiles. So he had to speak Gentile words. But among Jews, nobody would speak Goyish. It would be a bizoyan to call a Jew and Ivri. Later on in history, when the Gentiles saw that the name Yisroel, Israel, stuck, So they came up with a new way of dealing with that prophetic name. They tried to steal it from us. They proclaimed that they're the new Israel. That's why the Pope will tell you. If you ever get an opportunity to talk to him, he'll tell you that he represents the true Israel. And you, the Jew, are no longer called Israel. That was the plan of the early Christians from the beginning. That's why the narrators who invented the stories of the New Testament invented a tale of twelve apostles. Everything there is artificially made in order it should appear like a fulfillment of some prophecy, of some sign. And so the New Testament narrators made it seem that Yoshka Pandra had twelve disciples. Why twelve? Because his imaginary twelve disciples were supposed to take the place of the twelve tribes from now on. And so the name Yisrael, the glory of our people, is now snatched away from us, and it's put upon their heads. Of course, they're not using it. They're not really interested in it. No pope was ever called Yisrael. Search through the lists of their saints. You won't find any Saint Yisrael. They took it from us, not because they wanted it, only that we shouldn't have it so that we shouldn't be glorified with the name Yisrael. The same is with our scriptures. They want the world to think that Hashem changed his mind and rejected us, so they took the Tanakh away from us, and now they call it the Christian Bible. The plain truth is, they don't use the Bible anyhow. The Pope himself eats pork and wears shotness, although it's openly forbidden. No matter. It's not yours, they claim. Oh, but the whole Torah is about us. We're the ones who experienced it all. No, no, they say, it was all an error. A big error. We experienced it all. But it was just a joke. Actually, it was meant for the ones who eat pork and keep Shabbos on Sunday. And even after the destruction of the first base of Migdash, when we lost the ten tribes of Israel, and only Yehuda remained, 
So we took the name Yehudim. That's also a name of glory, because Yehuda means the one who praises Hashem. That's the most important function of a Jew. A Judah in the world to speak about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We are the nation that speaks always about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, when we look through the Torah and the Nevi'im, we're going to find everywhere the name Yisroel. And after the Churban, we are called Yehudim. These are our names, Yisroel and Yehuda. But Ivrim? Never. We're not Hebrews. Our language too. It's Lashon HaKodesh, the holy tongue. To say that our language is Ivris, Hebrew, is also a non-Torah expression. So you know now that the Union of American Hebrew Congregations is not a Torah organization. And if you read in the New York Times, you shouldn't. But if you did, that a group of reptiles, of loathsome animals who marry a certain way, organized the congregation, a synagogue, and they received recognition from the Union of Hebrew Congregations. So we say, of course, Hebrews would do such a thing. But Yisraelim or Yehudim could not. And now we come back to the puzzle that we mentioned in the beginning of our talk. Because although we don't use the title Ivri among ourselves, and certainly we wouldn't expect HaKadosh Baruch Hu to use it either, suddenly we find the Torah describing a Yisroel as an Ivri. And it's not when Jews are talking to Gentiles. Lahavdil Elav Havdalas. HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself is speaking. And he's speaking about the Yisroel. When you shall buy an Eved Ivri, a Hebrew servant, that's how this mitzvah is worded in the Torah. And the reason is as follows. Although we surely know that an Eved Ivri is still a Yisrael, there is one obligation which this Jew loses when he becomes an Eved. He loses the prohibition against marrying a Shifcha. During those six years, his master can marry him off to a slave woman so that they should have children together who will continue to be Avadim Kananim even after this Jew goes free. Now, as soon as the six years are up, this Jew is restored to his previous status and he's forbidden to be married to her anymore. But during those few years, although in all other respects, he is a full Jew, the Torah deprives him of the name Yisroel. Someone who can mix with the Gentile women is no longer an aristocrat. He cannot be called a Yisroel. Now we learn from here a very important principle. The greatness of being a Yisrael is the fact that we have 613 mitzvahs. You might think if you have 612, it's good enough. And it's certainly a great thing. Imagine you're invited to a royal banquet and you've been honored with various medals of honor. You have this sash and this ribbon and this medallion. All the signs of aristocracy. You have a big, nicely starched shirt and you're coming into the ballroom with all of your badges on that shirt. 612 badges. 612 medals. How can they even fit on your shirt? You have to pin some onto your pants and your hat band because there are so many. And so you walk in and all the guests are looking at you as you stride past them, decked out in your full regalia of royal honors. And your heart swells within as you strut through the hall, displaying all of your decorations. 
You're walking with a chest sparkling with jewels. You're announcing, I am Yisrael. Oh no, Hashem says. You're not. Because one decoration is missing. You are demoted. You are an Evet Ivri now. If someone is willing to sell himself or engage in behavior that forces the Beisdin to sell him to be an Evid and forsake even one of these badges of glory, it means he has fallen beneath the level of the Am Yisroel. Yisroel recognizes the greatness of our badges of honor. We would never remove even one of the badges from our chest. Our greatest pride is the fact that Hashem chose to command us in the mitzvahs ase and los ase, and although there are many of them, each one is a separate and distinct honor. Every single one is a separate badge of honor pinned on us by the creator of the world. That's what being a Yisrael means. And if you don't understand that, then you're demoted. You're an Ivri now. So what do we learn from this lesson? That when you walk down the street and you're hungry and you cannot find a kosher restaurant, so as you walk past them, you should raise your head proudly because that's your badge of honor. When you go into the five and dime and you see an entire section of various razors for a smooth face, your heart swells with pride. I'm Yisrael. I can't use those. That's another badge on my chest. When you want to buy a jacket, You can't just buy anything. You'll have to check it first. There can't be wool and linen in the same garment, even if it's just for a minute. Suppose you're walking in an office and you have to run out to buy something, but you left your coat in the other room. Sometimes there's a goy who works there in the office with you. So he tells you, here, take my coat. Use my coat for two minutes just to run out into the street to get what you need. No, you can't take it. You cannot... Take his coat. It might be shotness. So many prohibitions. So many things to know and be careful with. And every one of them is a glory. Every one of them is essential to give us the name of Yisroel. Now, whatever the reason is for each separate commandment, it's not important now. Of course, it's good for people to investigate the whys and wherefores of Torah. But the most paramount greatness of the commandments is simply that we are commanded to do so. I'll repeat that, because it's so important. The most important greatness of all the assays and los assays is that honor that they were imposed on us by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, to understand that, we need to study a Gemara. The Gemara in Kedushin tells us about the famous Amora, Rav Yosef. He was a blind man. And he was studying the opinion of the Tana, Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda had said that, Suma patur mikol ha-mitzvus. A blind man is free from all the commandments of the Torah. That's what Rabbi Yehuda holds. A blind man is free of the mitzvah of tefillin. And he is free of the mitzvah of sukkah and so on. All the positive commandments. A blind man is patur. Now, when Rav Yosef heard this, he said that he would like to hear that. The final halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda. He said, if somebody could tell me that he has a tradition, that what Rabbi Yehuda says is authoritative, then avidna yomatava I would make a big banquet for all the Talmidim in the yeshiva to celebrate. Daha lo mifkidna. 
that I'm not commanded in mitzvahs. Rabbi Yosef said, if the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, then I'm not commanded to do mitzvahs. And still, I'm doing them anyhow. I do wear tefillin and tzitzis. I do go into the sukkah. I do everything anyhow. It means that I'm doing it voluntarily. That's greatness. Out of the goodness of my own mind, I'm volunteering to go beyond the call of duty for you, Hashem. And therefore, to celebrate that special level of Avodah Hashem, he wanted to make a banquet. But then, one day, he heard a certain statement of Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina said as follows, Gadol ametsuve ve'oise. Greater is the one who is commanded to do something. Yoiter mitsuve ve'oise. More than if somebody does it voluntarily. If you do mitzvahs as a volunteer, not because you were commanded, that's less than the one who does it because he has to. The one who is commanded and does it is considered more important than the one who volunteers to do it. Now, to us that doesn't seem to be logical. Because if someone is a misnadiv from the generosity of his heart without being told, it seems that he should be considered a more important personality. Why is it that the one who does it because he has to, because it's imposed on him, is considered greater? The answer is that we look at the one who imposed it upon us, the one with a capital O. Who commanded it? The Creator. Every mitzvah is a medal that is pinned on you by the Melech Malchei HaMelochim. You, the Israel, have hereby been chosen from all the billions of people in the world to be the one who wears the honorable badge of a mitzvah, the Oiseh. And it's a medal that should be envied by all the people of the earth who are not privileged members of this exclusive society. Suppose a colored man or a Japanese or an Italian decide from now on they're going to eat kosher. It's not a badge. It's an imitation. If you look closely, you'll see it's not the genuine one that the king bestows. People can make things that look like royal insignia, but they have no right to wear them. A Japanese can't wear it unless he converts. Some things he can do voluntarily. A little Japanese boy might honor his parents. Why not? Could be he'll even get a reward for it too. But no matter what, it's not a badge of glory. It's the command, the one who commanded, that makes the Yisroel great. Those who are not commanded do not get that benefit. It may be virtuous. They deserve perhaps credit for volunteering. But the privilege, the gift of a mitzvah, is only for certain personalities that Hashem chose. Only chosen individuals are given the privilege of being commanded. So now, when Rabbi Yosef heard this ma'amar, of greater is the one who is honored with commandments, he changed his mind altogether. He said, Man da'amar le'ein halacha Yehuda. If somebody will tell me the halacha is not like Rabbi Yehuda, that a blind man is putter from mitzvahs, then I will make a yom tava l'rabonon. If I'll hear that a blind man is obligated, then I will celebrate and I'll make a big banquet. And that's what they say is the source of making a bar mitzvah banquet. A bar mitzvah boy, an orthodox little boy, he was keeping all the mitzvahs before anyhow, but before he was not a mitzvah ve'oise. He was doing it voluntarily.
And now when he's 13, he becomes Mitzuve. Oh, he's commanded now. Now he gets all his badges and he's honored. We make a banquet to celebrate that. Because that's the glory of a man. He's able to come out and demonstrate that he's wearing all the medals that the king pinned upon him. A bas mitzvah, a girl who turns 12. It's no less of a celebration. Only that the derech Torah is to keep women undercover. The idea that women should come out in public more than required and be on display, even a young girl, is not the derech At a boy's bar mitzvah, he comes to shul. Everybody's listening to him, looking at him. He's on display. It's not good for a girl to be looked at too much, to be on display. It can be helped. We will not be foolish and ignore human nature. But that doesn't in any way, chas v'sholem, reflect anything about the Jewish woman. The Jewish woman, the Jewish girl, is a holy aristocrat, a mitzuva v'oise. She's wearing badges, only she wears them inside. No matter whether you wear it inside or out, the mitzvahs are a sign of honor, of love from the king. You know, we say in Marif, Avas Oilam Yisrael Amcha Ahavta. Hashem, you loved your people with an everlasting love. And right away it explains what this love is. You taught us the Torah and the commandments and the laws and the statutes. We'll explain this as follows. Everybody knows that when a chasen loves a kala, he gives her Sivlonus, gifts. He'll buy for his intended a diamond, a bracelet. Now he's not doing it merely to show off. He gives her gifts to show that he loves her. You're a diamond to me, he's telling her. That's why she runs right away to the jeweler to ask how much is this diamond worth? She wants to know just how much he loves her. In any case, a chassan gives valuable gifts to his kala. And so, when Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim and brought us to Har Sinai, He said to us, I'm going to be your chosan. I'll take you to be my kala. And because I love you with an avas oilam, that's why I'm going to give you the very, very great gift of the Torah. The Torah mitzvah chukim mishpatim. That was the wedding gift, the sivlonus to the Am Yisrael. The mitzvahs, all the assays, and all the lovin are the expressions of great love that Hashem shows to us. Not like people think. It's obligations and rules and prohibitions. Oh no, it's jewelry. Every single one is a badge of honor. The medals of a mitzvah ve'oise. You should think about that sometimes when you daven mariv. You loved us with an everlasting love. And you gave us all these badges to wear. And we'll be happy with them forever and ever. Every single mitzvah is an ornament for us. And we thank Hashem for each additional one. Because each one expresses His love for us. Torah u'mitzvahs. Chukim u'mishpatim. So many badges. So much honor. So much love. That's why every Jewish house should have shelves of sephorim. Shelves and shelves of Sephardim. It's a way of showing your appreciation for that great gift that Hashem gave us. Whether you have time to learn them or not, it's still a good thing to display those Sephardim in your home. 
because that's the pride of our people. It's a demonstration that we are proud of being Mitzvah V'Oise. And therefore, when you pass by the Sepharim on your shelf, even if you're too busy now to open a Sefer, but your heart swells with pride. Ay, ay, ay! Precious Sepharim! Man, woman, boy or girl should say that. All the details of our badges of honor are written down there. A shots on the shelf is a symbol of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's greatest love for us. Not only shots. The Sepharim of the Rishonim are all ornaments for us. The G'day Le'achroinim too. Here you have the Shach, you have the Taz, you have the Magen of Rom. It's precious jewelry from the Chassan. Hanging over our necks is Choyves Halavavas, the Rambam, the Rif, Emunas Vedeus, all the great Chiburim. Hanging from this ear you have Kitsos Achoyshen, the other ear, the Nesivas, all kinds of beautiful jewelry. They're all badges of honor that make us the chosen nation who are commanded. Now, once we understand this subject of the pride of being a Yisrael, of being privileged to have been commanded by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it opens for us an entirely new vista of appreciating our function in this world. For the thinking person, Oilam Hazeh becomes one big banquet hall of glory. What a happiness it is to walk down the street in Oilam Hazeh thinking such thoughts. I'm clothed. With your decorations, Hashem. 613 medals. And then hundreds more dirabonons. Ah, what a glory. So what if the Irishman with the red nose passing by doesn't know? You know, and therefore every minute is precious to you. You're sucking the honey out of every second, enjoying the glory of being a mitzvah, one of the precious few who were commanded by the creator of the universe. Now, of course, if the day of the banquet comes and you've imbibed generously beforehand, and now when you walk into the hall, you can barely stand, you're so groggy with liquor that you don't know what's doing, then you lose out on the glory. What a pity. And that pity is us. We're drunk with making a parnasa and other worries. We're drunk with running after Olam Hazadik pleasures, so we miss out on all the glory. A tragedy. We go through our entire lives in this world like drunken sailors, not realizing what an honor it is to be a Mitsuva. Now, we'd be remiss if we stopped our talk now, because actually, this badge that we wear in Oilam Haza, the badge of being a Mitsuva, is only the beginning of the story. Of course, it's a very good beginning. It's a very happy beginning. But there's an important word in Rabbi Chanina's statement that cannot be ignored. Great is the one who is commanded to do something, he said. And he does something about it. To do. That's the true glory of living in this world. To do. To accomplish. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says in the Torah. Devarim. You should do all these commandments. Asher that I am commanding you today to do them. So the question is, why do we need the word Hayom today? And tomorrow he's not commanding us? So the Gemara says, Hayom la'asoysom velo machal asoysom. Today to do them 
and not tomorrow. Today is the time for doing, because today you're still here. And tomorrow you don't know where you'll be. And in the next world, you won't be able to do even the smallest mitzvah. This world is the Oilam Hasia, the place for doing. Imlo Achshav Ematai. The glorious opportunity of being a Mitzuve, Veoise, is only now. And therefore, included in Hayom La Asoisam, today is for accomplishing, is that in this world, we should not be too busy with other things. Hayom, you can't be running after pleasures because Oilam Hazeh pleasure is the kind of animal that when you chase it, you'll never catch it. It's like the dog races they have in Massachusetts. I told you once that in Revere, Massachusetts, they raise dogs for money. What do they do? The greyhounds are released into chutes and they run down the ramps, chasing after rabbits. Of course. They'll never get there because there's an arrangement. It's a metal rabbit running on an electric track. And the faster the dog runs, the faster the rabbit goes. And even though the poor dog is chasing the rabbit, the rabbit is covered with pasted on fur. And he's dreaming, ah, I'll sink my teeth into that delicious warm meat. And the fresh blood will squirt into my mouth. He'll never catch that rabbit. And the truth is, it's lucky for him that he doesn't. If he would catch the rabbit and sink his teeth into the metal, he would have to go to the dentist. And that's what happened to us, too, in this world. We're running after elusive pleasures that won't make us happy anyhow. You'll never get there. And so, included in those words, Hayom la sosam, the Torah is teaching us that we have more important things to do in this world than break our teeth on tin rabbits. We have real happiness waiting for us. And therefore, we must get busy doing as many mitzvahs as we can. The opportunity to live most happily and successfully is included in these words. Hayom la soisam. True happiness in this world is only when you get busy running after real rabbits, after real achievements, after mitzvahs, after toida. That's where you'll find happiness. There's no question that the person who keeps Shabbos is immediately being rewarded with happiness. It's fun to keep Shabbos. It's fun to bathe yourself, Erev Shabbos, and to put on big day Shabbos. It's fun to be together with your family and to eat the special meals. It's fun to come together with your congregation, your community, and your synagogues. It certainly is fun to climb into bed on Shabbos and to rest your body. There's no question that Shabbos is a happiness for us. And that's only a model for everything else. Kashrus in general means healthful food. In general, it means things that are safer to eat. Everybody knows that seafood, in many instances, is a carrier of certain parasites. When the American soldiers were in Egypt in the last war, many of them contracted snail disease because they were eating snails. It was considered a delicacy. In America, too, untold numbers of people contracted trichinosis from eating pork products that were smoked. Even today, trichinosis is widespread. There's a worm that remains in the tissue of the pork, and it enters the intestinal walls, and it bores in and lays very many eggs. And after a while, a person becomes loaded with trichinosis worms. It's well known. There's no question that kosher food 
is certified for happiness too. Children who honor their parents, they're going to, first of all, make their parents happier. And secondly, they're going to obey the admonitions of their parents, which is extremely important for a child. Youth must have some check. Children cannot do whatever they wish. They'll get into all kinds of trouble without proper instruction. And therefore, when a child has learned to honor his father and mother and obey them, there is no question that there is a great deal more of good health and happiness and success in this life. And so, it's certainly true that when people live by the Torah and fulfill its precepts, they benefit thereby. The general system of the laws of the Torah is constructed for the purpose of reinforcing a man's life, of reinforcing society, of giving him a wholesome and healthy lifestyle, and making society capable of coexistence, shalom, and also good health and parnasa. There's no question that fulfilling the Torah is the best plan for a man's well-being in this world. But I'm not only talking about that happiness. That goes without saying. We're talking now about a more sublime simcha, the genuine joy that comes with knowing that your days are being spent with purpose, with the purpose that you came here for. That is what makes life worth living. The happiness of life is to put on tefillin. If you can put on tefillin in the morning, it paid to wake up in the morning. If you say brachas in the morning, life is worth living. It's sweet to be a Jew. It's delightful to do mitzvahs because the sweetness of life is the sweetness of achieving. Now, I understand this falls on stuffed ears and people don't become excited over this, but that's the plain truth. And so why should we overlook it? Why should we be like sleepwalkers all the days of our lives? Why should we neglect the opportunity? Because a time will come when we're going to look back and we will regret that we didn't enjoy achieving in life. As long as a man is alive, he should glory in that opportunity. Hayom la'asosam. Now is the time we can achieve. And that's why David said in Tehillim, Lo Amos, I don't want to die. Ki I wish to live. David didn't say those words on his deathbed. He didn't say it on his last day. That's what he said always. Because he recognized how precious life is. Every pious Jew should have an ideal to try to exist on this earth as long as possible. He should do everything necessary to live long because life is of the utmost importance. It's our greatest physical property. It's our happiness and our glory because we are living the lives of a Yisroel. It means that no matter what, our lives are purposeful. Being a Metsuvah Oise makes life worth living. Nobody who understands this is going to be careless with his life. A Yisrael will always be most careful with his safety and the safety of his family. He's not reckless. He won't speed on the highway. He won't smoke cigarettes. He won't be careless because there's too much involved in being safe and well. If life is of paramount importance, if life means not only happiness, but achievement and glory, then we must do everything possible to preserve our lives. A man who runs across the street recklessly is not risking merely the hours that he could have lived on. He's risking all the kriyas shemaz that he could have said. 
He's risking all the tefillin that he could have put on. He's risking all the Torah, all the brachas, and all the Shabbos. He's risking all the zechiros yisias misraim twice a day. It's a misvasase in the morning and in the evening. People don't think about that. Yitzias Mitzrayim, in the evening and in the morning, each time is a separate mitzvah. There are many mitzvahs without end. And a man who is reckless with his life, he is reckless with these opportunities. And therefore, the person who lives with the happiness of Hayom La'asoysam, he's the one who lives most happily. And he'll live with the happiness forever. Because this world is the place of doing. And umachar lekabel sechorom. Tomorrow, the next world, is the day for reward. When he comes to the world to come, he will appreciate the eternal happiness, the real happiness of which there is no greater that he achieved by means of living the successful life of a metzuva in this world. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. The Eved Ivri lost his status as a Yisroel when he forgot what a privilege it is to be commanded in so many mitzvahs. Every morning this week, before I say Birchas I will take 10 seconds to appreciate the fact that I am a Mitzvah There is no better gift than the Toida and its mitzvahs.